parenting without telling your children no? Really? Kind of sounds like a recipe for disaster. That's what I thought, but believe it or not, the opposite is possible. And that's our topic today. Hi, it's Cheryl Sitz, welcoming you to another episode of Exploring Possibilities. Show creator, producer Mario Rosales, and I really appreciate the time you spend with us at these shows for your feedback and for your support at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. That keeps us going. And we are going. We're now video on youtube.com slash Cheryl Sitz. And iHeartRadio picked us up now, so I'm excited about that one, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all your other favorite podcast platforms. So join us wherever suits you best. Speaking of joining us today, it's Sherry Nager. Mario, you're always updating the astral fractal formula in the coolest ways. Can you tell us about what we can gain from that and how we can use it? The astral fractal is your birth date and name in a fractal format based on a formula that I created. And that creates the fractal, what I consider to be the soul footprint of your, of, of your soul, based on all that information. You can use it for meditation and kind of look at it and just ponder some of your things you're going through. Or sometimes if you just need to go deeper, look at some sections of the fractal, the astral fractal that I create for you, and just... What is that point in life? Because it, the astral fractal is a representation of your entire life. And when you look at them, if you go to astrofractal.com and look at them, you can see there's like little ups and downs on the edges and that kind of stuff. And I can even do readings for you there, but you definitely can read it yourself. It's just a matter of just looking at it, concentrating, meditating, or even, you know, just print it out and make it into a big format. Or you can also buy the frame one that I have there and use it somewhere where you can just be in silence, even put a black light on it. Who knows? It might look really cool under a black light. And there's so many possibilities about it. And it's you. So it's like looking in the mirror. And seeing the beauty of even the most complex and sometimes difficult parts of our lives. It's all there. That's the beauty of it. It has so much depth in it that I can almost see every part of our being, you could say. I can see, I might not know the specifics, but I can see in the fractals where there is something going on in this time or something going on around this time. Uh, And it's really fun for me to see these frag- astral fractals because everybody is different. There's not one that's alike. And then out of that, you also get a little certificate with your own unique number that you get out of it. And that number, nobody has that. Astrofractals.com. Sherry Nager is a professional speaker, trainer, and licensed family therapist helping courageous leaders initiate change by starting with themselves. That kind of sounds like the theme of this show, doesn't it? She reveals how to strengthen relationships with ourselves and others through increasing our emotional and social intelligence. She admits to being completely obsessed with her son, Michael, bringing out hidden power in others, her two rescue dogs, rescuing plastic or reducing plastic use. Yeah, we need rescuing from all the plastic, don't we? And this is my favorite because this is where we're sisters, saving dying orchids at the grocery store. (laughs) Hi, Sherry. Hello. Thank you. What an honor and pleasure to be with you. Yes, we're rescuers, whether it's pets or, you know, orchids, 
It's good. It's a good it thing. It is good. Yeah. Speaking of rescuers, we were introduced by David Buford, who is going to be on the show coming soon. I'm looking forward to that, but it just wasn't the right oh. time. But now look who's here. I mean, this was yeah. so synchronistic how this unfolded. It's amazing how these things happen. I know you guys were having a conversation. You and David were having a conversation. And then, you know, somehow things meander into different topic areas. And the next thing you know, we're talking about parenting and this woman out here doesn't tell her child, (laughs) no, what's up with that? How can you possibly do that? Here we are. Exactly. Amazing. I had the pleasure of listening to past episodes. What a professional, beautiful gift you give to the world. I just loved it. How you just pour in and, and you're a light out here. I'm so happy to be here with you. You're my tribe sister. Thank you. I feel the same about you. And yes, David's amazing too. And when he was telling me, so, you know, there's this trainer and I mean, she trains CEOs (laughs) and, and the military and, and believe it or not, she raised her kid without ever saying no. I'm like, what? How, I'm all about positivity, positive parenting, positive thinking, all of that. But I have also seen some really spoiled, ill-prepared children because their parents wouldn't teach them no, basically. So I had to bring you on the show and put you in the spotlight and say, how on earth does that work? Well, first thing I want to say is that it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm a single parent and my village is behind me. So I learned from people much smarter and wiser than me about how to parent a child. Okay. So first and foremost, I give them all credit. I mean, just incredible minds and wisdom, whether it was spiritual wisdom or, you know, behavioral therapy, wisdom, psych, psychiatry, psychology, uh, ancient wisdom, you name it. It's all back there. So uh, I, I didn't do it alone. That's for sure. But um, how do I describe it? I think that what you're asking is how do you raise a child without telling them no? It it doesn't mean that you raise a child without boundaries because I'm lucky enough to have a son who I'm very close with. We have a credibly respectful, positive relationship. It is, I think the hallmark success point of my life is my relationship with him. So what it doesn't mean is that you don't provide guidance. And what it doesn't mean is that you don't provide boundaries. What it does mean is that the average toddler hears no over 200 times a day. And our children are, um, unfortunately for me, um, how can I say it's are, are guided as parents guide their children in what I felt was a non-explanatory negative way that set up resistance and rebellion. So I think when I talked to you, I said, if you've ever tried to lose weight and someone said to you, you cannot have chocolate, you cannot have cheesecake, you cannot have popcorn dripping in butter. The brain is now focused on all of those three things. Or you could look at it like put a sign on a door that says, whatever you do, do not enter. It drives us as human beings toward the very thing that we're told not to do. So Mm -hmm. if you just look at it that way, that word, no, you can't, is, is, is in many cases inappropriately used and it sets up resistance and conflict. I mean, I just think of a two year old who says no every other word because they're learning that they're separate from the world. They're learning that I have a choice 
And a lot of parents get angry at that. I think it's not only adorable, but completely appropriate and necessary for the child to move through their appropriate developmental phases. So that's not a bad word for a toddler. But as a parent, to constantly tell your child no and um, to set up uh, what can be oftentimes an authoritarian parental role, and then things come out like, because I told you to, this child is like, well, why can't I? Because I told you. That's not an explanation. And that's, you know, that's a power over approach that I just didn't take. It worked very, very well for me. Like I said, my relationship with my son and the man he's turned out to be is 100% the most successful thing I've ever done. I hear one of your rescues while you're talking to in the background. That's play. That's good. That's play. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, So what was triggered for me when I was listening to you talking about the parenting thing is you know, I was raised very authoritarian. I mean, they did, God love them. They did the best they could. They had their unhealed trauma and they, they unwittingly put it on me because they didn't deal with it. Right. So I've learned that it's really important that we parent in a more positive way that we take care of our own stuff so that we don't hand it down. And you and I talked about that some. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I was raised in a verbally abusive home and I I don't think I know that drove all the reading and the healing that I've done in my life. So I was raised with shaming, name calling, throwing some physical abuse. I'm, I'm, I really look at myself as a survivor. So I was compelled to find a new and different way to parent my son that provided guidance and appropriate boundaries without that power over authoritarian, because I said, so shaming, blaming guilt ridden kind of approach. And it, 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 like I said, it worked very well. And a lot of times what I have seen is parents say, well, I'm doing what I'm doing because I'm not going to do it the way my dad did it, or I'm not going to do it the way my mom did it, whichever Absolutely. parent they're identifying as being the one they don't want to be most like. Right. But that's not a solution. That's just an avoidance of what we don't want to do. And inevitably, like other no's, that can be what we gravitate toward unless we learn a healthier way. So right. would you kind of Maybe tell it. You shared some great stories with me in our chat. What, go to one of your favorite go-to stories for what it looks like in a healthy way to not say no and the child to still understand and learn from that experience. Oh, so many examples. I mean, people, if you're listening to this, you've got to be wondering, how in the world do you not say no? And I don't want to give anyone the impression that you let your child run out in front of traffic. That's not what we're talking about. What I'm talking about is a parenting approach that allows the child's choices in a safe way to guide their behavior and to teach them at a very young age that you have will, you have choice, you have a brain, your life is going to be a series of choices that you're going to make, and every choice you have has a consequence. And the faster you figure out that your choices have consequences, the faster you will be able to grow up in a way that connects those dots So many children and adults don't connect the dots between the choices they make and the impact they have or the consequence it has. And so it's a lot of natural consequences. So I will give you a great example. I'll I'll give you a great example. So when my son was in third grade, he had to write a report on, uh, I think it was Paris, right? Like uh, the city of Paris. And so he came home and he announced to me that he was not going to write that report. And I'll never forget it. He said, mom, I am not going to write that report on Paris. I said, don't, you don't want to, it's fine. 
The normal parenting, normal meaning like mainstream would be, yes, you are. Now yeah. we've just set up, we, we've just set up, you know, oh yes, you will. You're going to go to your room. I went, okay, don't. And he looked at me like, what? And I said, no, you don't, you know, you don't have to write this report. I just do want you to know that Mr. Brown, your teacher is, could very well not pass you in third grade, which means you'll have to take it over again. By the way, fully support that. If this is your choice, you got to take third grade over again. Not a problem. Just so you know, though, you'll probably be the tallest kid in the class. Yeah, the worst, worst things. Right. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll flunk and it's the way it goes. It's not a problem. I, I gotcha. And I turned around, walked away and went to the kitchen, started washing dishes and didn't take long. And I, I stood there waiting for that to sink in because I, I wanted him to understand that when you make a decision, there will be consequences to that. I'm not going to get between them. You're only in third grade. So I felt a tug on my shirt and he had tears streaming down his face. And he looked at me and he went, fine, I'll write in the report. I, but you have to help me with this stupid computer. Aww. So what turns out is that it wasn't the report at all, right? It yeah. was, I'm afraid of using the computer. I don't want to write it. He had to wrestle with that. Now, there may be people saying, well, what if he didn't? Okay, don't. I'm good with that. Would he have flunked? Probably not. It's third grade, but may his grade have, you know, suffered? Could be. Okay. Could have been a grade in third grade. I mean, really, like, I'm not concerned about that. And if I don't care if it was in 10th grade or 11th grade, you need to learn very, very young that everything you do, what do they say? The butter, the wings of a butterfly. Yeah. You can feel the wind from China to Detroit, Michigan. You, the sooner you connect the dots between your ability to choose and your willingness to bear the consequences, I think the higher emotional intelligence you have, I think the more maturity you have, and there's no rescuing going on in here. I'm not forcing the choice. I'm allowing him to think for himself, and I'm allowing the environment and those choices to shape the behavior while I, in almost all cases, sat back and allowed that to unfold. And that is what I mean by there was virtually no, no, even when he was little and he would say, you know, I'm not going to eat those vegetables. And I would look at him and smile and say, which do you prefer broccoli or Brussels sprouts? Now that's an implied choice. So the brain gets very scrambled with that. I didn't say you have to eat your vegetable. I said, which do you prefer? That's your choice. You're going to eat one or the other, by the way, take a bite of one or the other, but which do you prefer? And so that's another example of there's no, there's no pushing here. There's no forcing. It's not an aggressive parenting style. It's you, you, you have agency in your life. You get to decide, you get to decide. And that's such an important thing, especially moving forward. I believe that the kids coming in now are even more conscious on many, many levels than yeah. they have been. Although I was pretty conscious until it was all kind of knowed out of me. <laughs> 
speaking yeah, of no. Exactly, exactly. So the more we can respect that, that these are little people that are coming in with all their stuff, all their skill sets, Absolutely. just ready to train and, and support and encourage. And I think that's what parents mean to do. And that's what leaders mean to do. There's not a lot of difference here between parenting and leadership skills. Because what you're talking about works. Any difference. Exactly. I think they're synonymous. In fact, I do a lot of leadership training and I work with a lot of leaders. And I will say sometimes, how many leaders are there in the room? And oftentimes, only the leaders who have the title of leader will raise their hand or in, in a Zoom session, type in the chat. But I attest that we're all leaders and it's a choice that you make and it's how you see yourself. So my son is his own leader. You are your own leader. You are, you are learning how to make healthy, wise choices in your life. And the only way you're going to learn that is by making those choices and experiencing the consequences. And I have to say this, in a safe, non-shaming environment. And that's me. I'm the safe, non-shaming environment. I'm the environment that says, when you take a step and you fall, I will not be there pointing at you and saying, I told you so. That won't. That's not my, the answer here. My response is, let me help you up. See, everything is fine. Boy, I bet you learned a lot. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I'm so interested in this journey called your evolution as a human being. And he has a sign in his room and it says mistakes. And there's a big red line through it. And it says learning. Yes. And that's and it. So it's an attitude. It's an attitude about respecting a young person's need, intrinsic need to think for themselves, to think for themselves. I, I remember when he was in great. Uh, he was in like seventh grade and he came home and to make a very long story short, he showed me what looked like shrapnel and it was the remnants of a pretty expensive cell phone. Oh, no. And he said, I just want you to know that I, you know, I, I, I fell in, in um, I fell down and my phone broke and these boys threatened to beat me up. And my very wise girlfriend was with me at the time and she kind of kicked me under the table and she said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. We went back into the bedroom and she said, you know, he's lying, right? And I said, absolutely. And so we hatched a plan. So we hatched a plan and we came back out into the bedroom. And I said, Michael, tell me what happened. What, what did these boys do? And he said, well, I'm draw I'm walking home from school and they surrounded me and they told me if I didn't, you know, give them my phone, they were going to beat me up. And the next thing you know, the phone dropped and it just, you know, shattered. And, you know, I'm lucky I made it out. I said, you are lucky. My gosh, that's incredible. I said, but you realize I've got to call the police now and they've got to do a sketch of these boys because we wouldn't want this to happen to other boys. I said, you stay right there. Sweat. I, said, <laughs> I, I grabbed my phone. I grabbed my phone. I said, I got to call the police. And I said, and I support you. Just want you to know those boys are going to bully other kids. We can't let that happen. I no sooner got my phone than he cracked like a, oh my goodness, like a pumpkin on December 1st and, <laughs> and started to cry and said, no, don't, don't, don't. I'm lying. I'm lying. And what ensued without getting into all the details was this new kid at school. He felt completely alone three boys that he wanted to be in with asked him if they could take his cell phone and throw it up against the wall for fun in a desperate need to want to belong. He said, sure. 
he's crying telling me this. And so my response to that was we had a long conversation about lying. You lied to me. This kind of goes along with the not saying no thing, right? And so I looked at him and I said, um, it's really hard for me right now to think about how to handle this with you because grounding you doesn't even seem to make sense. How do I ground you for lying to me? That wouldn't really, it doesn't really go together. Like, how do I ground you and teach you not to lie to me? That doesn't make sense. I said, you've already ruined your phone, which you have to replace because that makes sense. So I said, I, I just, I'm not going to do anything. There's no consequence here. I said, except the following. I don't trust you. And I love you like the air I breathe and I don't trust you. And so our relationship just took a hit. I don't trust you anymore. Yesterday, when you told me something, I believed you. Today, I don't. You damaged us. So what's going to happen from now until I'm not sure when is I'm going to question everything you tell me, and I'm going to have to make sure that it's the truth, which is exhausting to even think about because I didn't have to do that before, but now I don't trust you. And I said, that's it. And I don't want to talk about it anymore because I just need to go away and I'm hurt and I'm disappointed, but I'm going to get over it. You know, it's fine. And by the way, everybody lies. I said, don't think for a second that you're the only one that lies. Everybody does. I said, and everybody who lies hurts the people they lie to, but you lied to yourself first and you lied to me. So that's two lies in one day. And I said, I just need you to know that you can tell me the truth always. But for right now, we took a big hit. And I said, that's it. Nothing else to talk about. And I will tell you, honestly, the next day he, came, this is like, I sounds like I'm making this up. The next day he came up to me in the morning and he went, mom, I made my bed. And I went, okay. He said, but I need you to believe me. <laughs> and I said, I'm not going to check. It's too much work. Okay. He said, but did I earn a little bit of trust back? Cause I did. I said, look, here's how it's going to work. Over time, you're going to have to undo what you did, but it's going to take longer because you build a bucket up over time and you kick it over in a second. All I can tell you is if you tell me you made your bed, I choose to believe you. Over time, that consistency will build that bucket up. And for months, (laughs) mom, I took Max for a walk. I did. Are we good? And what I'm sharing is, maybe an unorthodox way of allowing what naturally happens in relationships. I love you. You lied to me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to not love you, but I don't trust you. That's what happens, right? That's the normal course of events. We don't lie to each other. Sure. And I take your phone away, or you're not going to lie to me. And I somehow don't return the blouse I borrowed. I'm going to tell you, I care about you. I thought we were friends. I still love you. We are still friends but now I don't trust you. So it's going to take you a minute to earn that back. And if you value us, you'll earn it back. He killed himself for months until I announced the bucket was full again. And then it was almost like his shoulders went. Wow. He's 20. He's no, he's not 20. He just turned 19. I was going to say this was 20 years ago, but he's 19 as of last week. And he still talks about that and says, I love how you handled that with me because I love you so much that it hurt me so much to think that you didn't trust me anymore. He said, I will never forget how bad I felt that I hurt us. No, no cell phone taking away a cell phone could, could do that. Yeah. 
No. Well, I, while you were telling no the story, I was. Do that. Yeah. I mean, of course, I, I'm sure the listeners that are listening to this or watching this went back to something that when they really blew it when they were a kid. And what did it sound like? And I, I have to say there was lots of shaming, lots of go to your room, you're grounded. I can't believe you did that. How could you lie to me? I shaming. thought you had more respect. You know what that sounds like, right? Because we all have that tape that no matter how much inner work we do, the tape still plays. We just don't listen as much as we used to, I think. Well, you, you you, if you're really it. lucky, you turn it down. Yeah, exactly. Go, oh, there it goes again. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were shamed. We were blamed. We were made to feel guilty. How could you do that to me? He didn't do anything to me. He, right. he did it to himself, first himself. and foremost. And uh, pe- kids are hit. They're hit with belts. I worked in the abuse and neglect field for years as a therapist. I know what that looks like. I did not choose to handle it that way. He still talks about it. Yeah. I just told the truth. I love you. I don't trust you. It's going to take you a while to bring it back to, to, and and there's really nothing I'm going to do other than you're going to go mow lawns to pay for the replacement. That seems fair. I'll let you know how it goes. If you continue to lie, I told him the more you lie, the more you hurt us until eventually we'll be very far apart. I said, and there'll be, it'll be, it'll take years to put it back together. And I, I left that conversation and I said to him, you are a man of integrity and I know that you value integrity. So you need to demonstrate that this is not about the phone. This is about your integrity and your relationship with yourself. This isn't even about me. This is about you. So you have to decide who you want to be in the world. Do you want to be a man of integrity or do you want to be a man without integrity? It's your choice. I said, you decide what you want to do. It's your life. It's your life. Mm -hmm. Let me know what you decide. And I, you know, and it was, I want to be a man of integrity, of course. And I said, well, then you're going to have to prove that to yourself. First and foremost, I'll just be on the receiving end of it. This is between you and you. I'm just a bystander in this. Right. That's, that's what I'm talking about. That's what this philosophy and this, you know, approach to a parent child relationship for me was about. It was the absence of shaming, blaming, hitting, punishment that doesn't make sense to teach your child how to be in the world. So how do you know when you sit back and look at your son? I mean, of course, we all think our children are, we we know our children are wonderful, right? (laughs) How do you know? How can you objectively (laughs) look back at, look out at your son now and say, yeah, this, this worked. This was okay. It's good that I I've done it this way. Cause I mean, listeners are probably going, how do we know he's not a complete spoiled brat that doesn't understand anything? Like, what do you use as a benchmark yeah. for that? Um, spoiled children are disconnected from others and they are self-centered because they were taught not to think of others. So the word spoiled is a child that did not learn because everything is learned. There's only two fears we're born with the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is learned. So that child, it's a, it's an unfortunate label that describes a child that was indulged and more than taught. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I don't blame the child that you did. You still didn't right. learn that. So m- m- my son is by everyone who has met him, not just me, teachers and, and friends and neighbors and family members is described as a well-connected child with very high emotional intelligence who thinks of others, who is thoughtful and kind, compassionate, and I would say calm and reliable. So those are the words that you would use to describe Michael. 
he's not perfect because he's a human being. We're, you know, right. I'm, I'm going to make a mistake in the next 10 seconds, but it's not about perfection, but it's about an overall kind of way that he moves through the world. And he's just known for being kind and compassionate and very thoughtful and considerate of other people. So he was the kid in school who stuck up for the kids who were getting bullied. And he was the kid in school who invited the new kid to the table to introduce him. He, you know, he was that kid. And he was the kid in school that the, the teachers would say, I don't know what you're doing, but he is a joy to have in class. He's going to stay after and say, this class is, a, can I help you put the desks back together? And it's not perfection. I don't mean it to even sound like that, but just seeing into other people, seeing that you need help, seeing that um, it's a mess here. Can I, can I help you do the dishes? Can I help straighten the desk? Seeing that there's a child sitting alone, he's got that old soul kind of tune in. And that's, that's not a child that was overindulged and disconnected. That's just someone who, you know, uh, is aware that's the EI, that's the emotional intelligence of other people yes. and their feelings. He's very aware of how he affects other people and it matters to him. So that empathic nerve wasn't cut in him. It wasn't shamed out of him. It wasn't beaten out of him. It was held very sacred by me because of all the smart people behind me who taught me, because I didn't learn it, how to do that. I give them all the credit, seriously. They're all back there. I can tell you, you know, they're all there. It's, not, it's not me. It's the, it's the collaboration of all those beautiful minds back there that yeah. I consumed. Like it was, you know, pralines and cream ice cream. Like I, I ate to the bottom of the bucket to learn how to do this because I didn't have a clue. And now you teach it in all kinds of formats. I think that's wonderful. I asked you already if there was a book for this about parenting, because I do feel like you have a book in you. And I'm going to be looking forward to that whenever you get time to write it. Because... That's so sweet. Thank you. Yours too. Yours too. <laughs> how to live an unlimited life. How to, how to expand your mind into the possibilities that you never dreamed of. Just go back and look at all those episodes you've done. My gosh. It's so Yeah, beautiful. it's been yeah. fun. Thank you. So yeah, he sounds very socially integrated. You must be so proud. I'm just, I'm happy. You know, what, what, what does every parent want? When you ask a parent, what do you want for your children? What do we all say? We want them to be well and to thrive. That's what we want. Yes. We want them to be happy and we yes. want them to love themselves and we want them to know how to love others. And really, I just wanted to raise a man of character. That was my goal. I wanted to raise a man of high moral character who loved himself and loved others. That was like my, my mantra in my mind, high moral character, right? High social intelligence, emotional intelligence, and the, and, and a really good relationship with himself and the ability to connect with other people. So. Excellent. That's great. Is that a good path? So you have, you talk about all that are behind you that have taught you because you consumed it all. Yeah. I'm sure there's going to be people listening that are like, okay, obviously there's another way than what I'm doing. I yeah. want to learn more. Like if you yes. could recommend off the top of your head, oh. where's the first place to start? Like get them started in that deep dive. Yeah. What do you recommend? Okay. Do not, do not pass go. Do not stop. Do not pass go. Do not collect your $200. Go to, I want to say, um, I'll, I'll just say the authors and I don't know the name of their website, but so chick Mormon, you changed my life. I took your parenting class. I think while pregnant, 
uh, at age one, age two, age three, I took Chick Mormon and Tom Haller's class called Parent Talk. Changed my life. Changed my life. Um, the book, uh, How to Talk to Your Kids So They Will Listen, Life Changer. Um, Shafali Chewsbury, that's a more recent Chewsbury, I think I'm pronouncing, but she wrote Conscious Parenting, uh, Conscious Parenting, this very loving, but not, you're not a doormat as a parent. You know, I don't want anyone to think that this is your tail does not wag the dog in my home. I am the leader of the pack here. And he knows that. And they need to know that, but in a really safe, nurturing, loving way. But yeah, I would say Chick Mormon and Tom Haller parent talk. I couldn't say enough good things about that. It changed my life, how to talk to your kids. So they will listen and any book on natural consequences versus punishment and the hands are for hugging never for hitting. So this is a, this is a verbal approach to, and a relational approach to raising children. I leverage my relationship with him. That lying example was a, a, was built on the fact that we have a relationship that we value. If you don't have that as a parent, you have no currency because you can only punish so much. Exactly. You're hitting your kids. There'll come a time where that just doesn't work anymore. And then you're forced to become more creative and verbal because you just can't grab a belt or, you know, anything. It just, it stops working. I'm more about, and wanted to learn more about a lifelong approach to being a parent that didn't ever end. That was an evolution. And I, like I said, those were some of the more, I mean, they're, I, I can, they're right back here. I mean, I can, <laughs> Here. In fact, let me do this. I'm going to do this. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm doing this right here. Here. This is, so here's one of them. This is Chick Mormon and Tom Haller. You can see my little post-it. I wonder Love what, it. Was, what the heck was in there. Okay. Okay. So that's the, this is, I mean, I can't tell you enough about this. And um, in fact, the post-it here, while we're on the subject, this is one of their phrases. So this says, opportunity equals responsibility. So I remember using that when I said to my son, you have the opportunity to walk to school with your friends equals responsibility to the extent that you're responsible, you will create your own opportunities. Okay. That's an example. So if you want more freedom, I would tell him the more responsible you are, the more freedom you have, the less responsible you are, the less freedom you are in complete charge of that. That was the conversation you would have. So I'm not saying no, I'm saying you're in charge of your freedom. If you want to spend the night at your friend's house, be responsible, come home exactly when you say, if you say you'll be home at 10 o'clock, if you walk in at 10, 15, you're not a man of your word, lacks integrity. 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock. I'm telling you it was military with me. 10 o'clock <laughs> is 10 o'clock. It's not 10 five. It's 10 o'clock. And he would walk in at five, two and he would go, it's five, two. And I was <laughs> And I would say, you are, you're amazing. And then we would celebrate, but it's, it's, it's tough. It yeah. believe me. It, it, it's, it's not like I'm rubbing your feet and chewing up your food. He was in charge of his freedom. And to this day, he has swaths of freedom because opportunity equals responsibility. So you decide how much freedom you get. Not me. You do. And that's, and that's what, life. That's life. That's not that's just parenting. Life. That's life. And that is how I would describe this philosophy we're talking about. Let life teach you. Let your parenting mimic real life versus some artificial 
hitting, shaming, blaming, grounding, taking away phones. You're in your room. That doesn't mimic. Yes. <laughs> life works doesn't work like that. Yes. Life doesn't work like that. We don't ground, well, you know, we don't ground each other. So I'm just going to disclose about my particular parenting scene that I finally, there was so much stuff that happened that my out was my brains. If I made A's, then I got to skip grades in school and, and get done with school early. I moved out before I could even legally sign an apartment lease because wow. I was that eager to get out of the house. Straight wow. A's ran away from a scholarship to Rice University. I'm not proud of that, but I'm, I love my life. So there's no regrets, right? But looking back, that's how bad I wanted to get out of the house. And I wasn't being beaten. I just did not have a healthy environment there. I was not thriving there anymore. So I, I manipulated the system however I had to to get out. And you want A's? I'll give you A's all day long. <laughs> but I, that's on my way out the door. So right. there is another way to parent that your 15-year-old child is not graduating high school before she can drive so that she can get out of the house or he can get out of the house. There is a way that has respect. That's why I was so passionate about having you on the show because hmm. – I've worked around all kinds of child abuse prevention and families in crisis and and we do the best we know, but that's yeah. not an excuse. That's a responsibility that we can know more. Look at your bookshelves. I hope you're all watching the video of this episode. <laughs> Those bookshelves are loaded with books. She walks the talk. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, honestly, I didn't feel like I had much of a choice because I didn't know a whole lot and he didn't, here's all I knew to your point about how you grew up. Sometimes all you know is I have to do something other than what I got. And I'm not even sure where to start or what to do, but all I know is what I had was awful or it hurt. I was yes. miserable. You know, I, I just wanted to get out. So I don't know much, but I know that whatever I experienced, if that was the best my parents could do, and it was but they didn't grow themselves. You know, they sort of repeated, right. You know, they repeated what they got versus changing their own history and their own thinking. So I love all these people very much. And I credit them with any success I've had because the best thing that you and I can, and everyone who's listening to this can do with a childhood that had a lot of unnecessary pain is to have it stop with you. Yes, And when it stops with you, then that's the greatest gift you can give yourself and the world. It stopped with me. My son scoops spiders, not because he's a great kid, right? Not because he's special, but because he's got such compassion for even the spider that, you know, so is he going to hit his kids and shame them? Probably not. No. And that's a good, you know, so that's the best thing that we can do. And that's what you did. Look at what you did with your childhood and with your pain, right? You're out here doing hundreds of podcasts, interviewing <laughs> thought leaders and, you know, chatting with people like me to get the word out about the possibilities that exist. If we take some responsibility, if you work hard, you can change your destiny. You aren't a product of the way you were born. You changed yourself. And here you are wildly successful, spreading good news to anybody who wants to listen. All they have to do is tune in. Bravo. You're so motivating. <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Thank you. It's the truth, right? It's totally it the truth. Yeah. And Thank you're, you. you know, these things don't just pop up. Anyone who's listening, they don't just organically happen. If you listen to her intro, that is rehearsed, written. You probably killed yourself to write that just perfectly. You can hear it, right? 
look at you, you know, yeah, see, you're smiling because <laughs> you hear it. Like she's not just coming on going, hey, it's Cheryl. What are y'all up to? I'm just kind of <laughs> hanging out today. <laughs> you, you're, you care. It, it yeah. oozes from you. It's like that sun on the top of your, your background. Oh, thank you. Yeah. True. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited to get to talk to you about raising your son and you know, I I meet a lot of single parents and there are so many directions that that can go. Some go into addiction and and self-abuse. And and that kind of brings up something that I really wanted to share is that this idea of respecting our children, yes. it comes from first respecting ourselves. You made a shift to I'm going to respect myself more than I felt respected. And therefore I can then respect my child more than I would have, if I didn't, it, it, we have to respect ourselves before we can respect anyone else. And you've raised a son now that respects himself and others. That's just yeah. amazing how that flows down. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I always felt that he was sacred. I looked at him the second he was born and felt that there was a sacredness to him. I still feel that way. I think I'll always feel that way. And I believe that when you look at anything that is sacred, and I use that word very distinctly, you treat it very differently than if you look at it, for example, I don't know, um, like it's, you can take it or leave it or it's no big deal or it's a burden. I mean, how you look at your children. So there are people that I think are, that I know parents that say things like, I can't wait till they leave. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it's, it's so far from how I feel. Not that I want him living in my basement when he's 30, but believe me, when he went to college, I couldn't breathe. I grieved. I could just right now, I feel my throat tightening, just talking about it. It was, it's a necessary loss. Judith Bjorst wrote a book called Necessary Losses. Yes. I would, I told him through, you know, tears streaming down my face, you are meant to fly and I want you to fly high and straight. That's what I told him. And I'm grieving your loss. And I'm so happy at the same time. I said, so it's a real weird cocktail, but there are parents that feel like when are you, you know, when are you out? Yeah. And so it's, it has to do too, with how you look at that relationship and, and to try to cultivate the sacredness of parenting for anyone out, anyone who's listening, if you look at your children and they are sacred to you and you feel like you would die for them, which most parents do, then it is such a joy to grow yourself as a parent, to become better at it. I think if you love something, you become better at it and you want to become better at it and to treat them with that sacredness, to speak to your child with more reverence and respect than you would your boss is a beautiful place to be. Beautiful. To speak to them as if there was a recorder on you that at the end of every day was played for the world and you were proud of it. And I'm not saying we don't fail as parents, but to have that in your mind that I would, you can hit play and I would feel good about most days because of how you see your child, not because you're perfect, but because you see them with this sacredness, it, it changes you. That's how I think about it anyway. Wow. Compared to children are to be seen and not heard compared to that kind of philosophy, we are talking about radical shift. I A love radical it. shift. No, you are to be seen and heard and yes. celebrated. Yes. In all that you do. 
Yes. I'm just covered in goosebumps. I love talking to you. I see why you're training people all over the world and being being better leaders oh. in inside of ourselves first, leading ourselves in a better, healthier way. Yes. Well, I love to share ideas. Like I'm I'm on this journey with you and with everybody, like taking my next step, stumbling, picking myself up, you know, dusting myself off, trying not to beat myself up too much, but committed to growing, 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 growing. And because that's the fun of life. It's just seeing that you're so different than you were a year ago. You're like, oh my gosh, I love the way I'm handling this. Or I feel so much better because I'm not the person that I was. And that's what's exciting. It's not the, it's not that things don't happen. They do. Or it's not that you, you don't have moments you do, but it's so fun to see them growing further and further apart. (laughs) Yes. That's that's the really fun part. Yes. They were really close before. You know, yeah. not so much anymore. Yes. Not that they don't happen, you know, right. not that they don't happen. And I do want to say, I apologize to my son a lot because he's sacred to me. And I don't, I think that's beautiful. I think it's wonderful to go to your child and say, I, I, I can tell you this, Cheryl and anyone else. I highly recommend this. If you stumble and you will, as a parent, we all do to be able to tell your child that you're sorry, to be able to look them in the eye and hold their hand and say, that, that, that happened between us, that yelling, that blaming that I lost my mind. That wasn't you. That will never be you. That was me. That had nothing to do with your behavior. That's me. Doesn't mean that maybe what you did was okay, but we're putting that aside for right now. The way I reacted, that's me. And I owe you an apology. I could have done better. I've said that to him a million times, a million. And because of who he is and how we are, he, he will just sort of shrug and say, Ma, you're all right. Don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. Or he'll say, there are times where he has said, you know, good job. Cause you really did blow it. Good one. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you're right. I did. And he go, yeah, you did. And I'm really glad that you saw that because that really hurt me. And I'll say, I do see it. And you are right. And now let's talk about, you know, let's talk about next time. I'm going to really work on that. It shows your humanity and it shows your humility and that you're really aware. And sometimes you blow it, but to own it and in your modeling too, so they can do that to you. Cause you already yes. know, I'm going to tell you, he's done that to me a million times. I am sorry. I owe you. I'll get a note on the floor outside my bedroom. I am sorry that I was, you know, not listening properly or whatever. What I didn't listen to you please forgive me. XOXO, Michael, I've got a million of them in my cabinet. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. So that just ability to own your own mistakes and behavior is wonderful and beautiful. It's not demeaning to say to your kids, I'm so sorry I blew it. And I meet adults that don't say it to other adults, like when growing up around blaming and shaming, I'm sorry, and please forgive me and all that. Those are all some really sticky conversations. We have to build those muscles up and, and practice makes better and practice makes better. <laughs> practice makes better. And if you're breathing, you've got lots of time to practice. Yes. It's anything but weakness. It's beautiful. It's what you want them to do with their spouse. It's yes. what you want them to do with their friends, right? Own your own behavior, take responsibility and vow to do better next time. It's a good thing. Oh, I could talk to you all day. I'm sure we, we probably can't, but I appreciate <laughs> you taking the time to be with us. So I like much. to wrap things up by asking my guests in light of everything that we've touched on and maybe a million things we haven't. Is there a parting thought that you'd like to share with us today? Breathe, 
love the journey. Keep growing, keep, keep questioning, listen to podcasts like this. If you're in the privileged, beautiful position of being a parent, like just partner with your children on the journey and, and enjoy every bit of it because we blink and it's, it's never over, but you know, they grow up, they leave, they have their own families. Like I would just say that would be my parting thought is, is just commit to doing things maybe differently than what you had. And if you had a beautiful idyllic childhood, then, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, but you don't do it alone. You learn off the shoulders and brains and hearts and experiences of people that, that can teach you and benefit you so much. So I would just, that would be my parting thought partner reverence, respect, and just keep growing and baseball bats are for baseball games. There will be no beating up of thyself at any time for any reason, just breathe and keep moving forward. Those are my parting thoughts. There's a lot of parting thoughts in there. I love it. If you're not watching the video, I haven't stopped smiling since we started. This is such a motivational show and it's not just about parenting. Neither are you. Thank you, Thank Sherry Nager, for, for being with us. And I'll put your website link and I'll try and get all those books mentioned in the description so you guys will know where to go look. Thank you for joining us today. Please let us know what you thought of the show. I want to hear your thoughts. We, we welcome those. Journeyofpossibilities.com. And we will see you next time on Exploring Possibilities.